G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Something of a focus today on Fiji, because you might have seen some voyaging canoes entering into Sydney Harbour on your television screens over the last week or two. They made their way up to the Australian Maritime Museum in Darling Harbour to raise awareness of environmental concerns for the Pacific. Well, Reverend James Bagwan is the Secretary for Communications and Overseas Mission of the Methodist Church in Fiji. He's got some insights into these feed. He's got some insights into these canoes and some of the happenings in Fiji. He's joining us now. Hello, James. Welcome along to 2020. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you today. James, exciting to see the canoes arriving in Australian waters. Just how significant is it that a big statement like this is being made? Well, you know, um, when the canoes arrived um, um, on the Gold Coast, having sailed from uh, originally from the Cook Islands with one canoe and then becoming two in Samoa, three in Fiji, through Vanuatu, and when they did arrive, it was, in fact, the first uh, time in recorded history that uh, traditional tradition, traditional canoes and traditionally sailed canoes uh, arrive in Sydney. So it was, it's a historic event. And of course, having them uh, joined by uh, uh, one of the, the Vaka, the canoes from uh, New Zealand, uh, as they all sailed into Darling Harbour um, last week, uh, of course, is, is significant in itself. Um, but more importantly, perhaps the, the significance is the message that they were carrying, a message from the Pacific people uh, to Australia and uh, to the world as part of the uh, uh, World Parks Congress, which is organized by the International Union for the Conservation of Nature, which was happening up in uh, Homebush in the past two weeks. OK, so if we talk about environmental concerns for the Pacific, we're talking here about climate change and rising ocean levels. Is that the sort of thing that, uh, that is being highlighted here? Well, we have been talking about, um, of course, uh, climate change and uh, rising sea levels is, is a very important and uh, very serious issue in the Pacific. It's something that we see every day affecting our countries and our, and our island groups. Uh, not only in terms of rising sea levels, but of course extreme weather patterns, droughts, uh, stronger and more intense cyclones. Um, but at the same time, we are talking. We are, the messages included, uh, uh, you know, the issue of of overfishing, uh, you know, the way in which uh, fishing needs to be done on a commercial level, but sustainably, um, the value of the ocean in terms of the, what it provides for for all of those who are living in the Pacific uh, Basin, and uh, you know, and of course the value of the wisdom of the Pacific people. Can you imagine traveling 3,000 uh, nautical miles uh, over the last, uh, well, within a month, um, you know, and traveling in uh, not using any fossil fuel, not using uh, any, uh, you know, diesel-powered engines, but making way all the way from their islands to Australia, showing that the Pacific wisdom or Pacific science, if you'd like to call it, is very valid and can offer some valuable assistance to uh, the work that we are trying to do to reduce carbon emissions. 
James, what can you tell us to reflect what ordinary people in the Pacific Islands feel about these sorts of things? Are they afraid of what climate change may bring, uh, rising uh, sea levels, uh, the overfishing of the environment? Is there a genuine sort of a feeling that you know, they're going to be left behind or forgotten by the rest of the world? Well, absolutely. You know, um, we face the very real situation uh, already, not just in islands that are coral atolls like uh, Kiribati and Tuvalu, who experience this every day, but already even in Fiji, which is uh, not your classic atoll type of island, it's a volcanic island, but we're already seeing villages that have to relocate because of rising sea levels. We already see, uh, you know, communities affected uh, from the extreme weather patterns of drought and flash floods. These are things that we have to deal with every day. And, uh, you know, we are not the people responsible for this massive carbon footprints in this world, but we are the ones who are suffering uh, as a result of uh, the greed and perhaps uh, arrogance of some of the larger nations. It is heartening to note, of course, that um, um, uh, America and um, China recently uh, agreed to work towards reducing their, their carbon emissions. And that's a, that's a heartening note, which hopefully will inspire the rest of the world to, to give some serious thought to this. And, you know, Pacific Islanders, we're spiritual people. We, we not only have a very strong faith in terms of uh, Christianity, but we recognize, um, you know, the presence of God in creation. And for us, when we hear the groaning of creation, we see things like climate change, uh, you know, um, as, as the cry of God's created order, suffering at the hands of, of our arrogance, we could say, where instead of looking at... Uh, stewardship of creation, we tend to think of it as ownership of creation, which is really not what we feel was intended by God in, at creation. On board these voyaging canoes, uh, some VIPs, the presidents of Kiribati and Palau and the Prime Minister of the Cook Islands, have they had a whole bunch of meetings with various uh, authorities while they've been here on Australian shores? Yes, um, well, they sailed in, uh, they joined um, the, the, the Vakas, the canoes, for the uh, the sail into Darling Harbour on, on, on Wednesday last week. And uh, at the same time, they presented uh, formally to um, both the World's Parks Congress and the representative, the, uh, the Minister for Environment for New South Wales, the message of the Pacific, which was taken on board. They've also sp- uh, spoken at the uh, opening plenary uh, for the World Parks Congress uh, last week, which included speakers such as uh, the uh, Australian Foreign Minister, and other representatives of, of government and environmental organizations. And they've been speaking uh, at the Congress, and uh, as they continue their meetings uh, in the Pacific region, they will continue to, to raise this issue, but also looking at how we can collaborate. It's not all um, about, you know, I don't want it to feel that, that it's, it's about accusing people of not doing their part. It's calling people to join and collaborate. And that's one of the significance of sailing in, on the, on the canoes, because on the canoe, everybody has to work together. And it was a reminder that each one of us as a community, as Pacific Islanders, whether you're from the smaller islands or atolls of Kiribati or the bigger, bigger Pacific Island countries, whether you're from, you know, including Australia and New Zealand, we're all on the same boat. We're all in the same canoe. 
and it only sails best when we all work together. The Reverend James Bagwan, our guest, Secretary for Communications and Overseas Mission of the Methodist Church in Fiji. James, stay with us because I'd love to get your insights and a bit of an update on how Christianity is faring in the Pacific Islands and especially you'll be aware of how Christianity is faring in Fiji. We'll come back and talk some more in just a short while. We've been talking about four massive voyaging canoes that entered our Australian waters and currently they're in Sydney. They made their way up to the Australian Maritime Museum at Darling Harbour to raise awareness of environmental concerns for the Pacific. The Reverend James Bagwan is our guest. He is the Secretary for Communications and Overseas Mission of the Methodist Church in Fiji. We've been talking about the feelings and the genuine concerns of Pacific Islanders when it comes to these issues of climate change and rising seas and uh, the idea of overfishing the environment. Well, James, having talked about some of those things, and those are the things that you're drawing attention to with the arrival of these canoes, but let's spend a few moments talking about Christianity in South Pacific Islands. Uh, Generally, if you were taking the pulse of of how things look in Fiji and surrounding islands, uh, how do things look? Well, um, you know, many people, many organizations recognize that uh, uh, the churches in the Pacific continue to play a very influential role uh, as an integral part of Pacific Island culture and Pacific Island life. Uh, And that continues to be the case uh, uh, at the moment in the Pacific. Uh, The Pacific Conference of Churches works with with, uh, partner churches around the Pacific, working with uh, the communities and, and, and working on the issues that affect the general society, in, depending, of course, on, on the specific issues in each country. Um, you know, we are a people of faith. We are a people who, who see our faith in, uh, in, in nature and creation, as I, as I shared earlier. And at the same time, we are people who often can be struggling in terms of how we live our faith in an increasingly globalized world. Uh, increasingly secular world, and that has, of course, been a, been a very strong challenge for for the churches in Fiji recently. Well, we know there's been political change, and Frank Bainimarama, who was at one stage there the unelected leader, who had uh, taken uh, leadership by way of a coup, but these days, uh, since your recent election, he's an elected leader. Does that change the relationship that the church might have with the government? Well, speaking from the Methodist Church in Fiji's uh, perspective, we have uh, shifted over the last few years from, uh, I, I would say, from a, from a uh, you know confrontational approach to a, a more dialogical approach, and uh, recognizing that we have now been able to move to elections. Uh, we said categorically before the elections that we would work with uh, whichever political party was elected. Uh, for the first time also, the church made it stand known that it was going to be apolitical and that it would not pick sides. It would support uh, whoever was elected and it would support each member to make their own decisions so long as those decisions were informed decisions about who to vote for. So we hope hope that this is a chance for us to continue to uh, work uh, in in dialogue with government. We are stakeholders in a lot of uh, areas in terms of education, social work, social welfare, um, you know, um, uh, agricultural work. We, we, we work in many cases uh, together with the state. So it's important for us as a church to uh, 
have our partnership, but also retain that uh, that independence and that integrity that we're able to speak out on issues that we feel affect our members. Uh, for the Methodist Church, we are the largest religious group in the country, and so we have quite a quite a large constituency. And you know, we need to be able to. I suppose we could put it in, in the sense of being able to continue to be prophetic with our work as well as uh, pastoral. I guess there'll always be divisions between Indian Fijians and those indigenous Fijians. Uh, How does that look when it's in practice, in church life? Is there a sort of a division there where there are uh, Indian Fijian churches and uh, there are those that are indigenous Fijian churches? How does does that all work? Or Or are there some very good, successful, blended churches? Well, um, you know, when the churches were started, when when the when when the different missions began, we must remember that originally the first mission was to the the indigenous population, and then as uh, successive uh, uh, migrants were either brought or came of their own volition, uh, different missions have have begun to to uh, target or to work with specific communities, and these were originally along language lines. Uh, unfortunately, these these divisions have been entrenched in the technical way in which uh, the church is managed and run. So, for example, from the Methodist perspective, we have a, an Indian division um, that really works along cultural and, and language lines. But if you're looking at uh, an, an example of, uh, of how the church has been able to break through those barriers, in fact, it is the Indian division, um, which is a, a classic example of a, of a church that moves beyond its uh, ethnic group. Um, we have, uh, you know, 50% of our of the Indian division members are, uh, are either indigenous Itoke or indigenous Rotumans or uh, people from the European community or uh, of descendants of European extraction. So it is a very much a multiracial community. Language continues to be the uh, the key dividing factor because people would like to worship in their own particular languages. But the Methodist Church recently, um, over the last uh, year and a half, in its development of what's called a, a connectional plan, which is a strategic plan that not only works at uh, the top level, but has been taken right down to the individual churches and cell groups, uh, has looked to see how it can regain the concept of being an inclusive and missional church. And I think uh, in that sense, uh, the church in Fiji, or the Methodist Church, for example, has just completed 50 years of being an autonomous church. And as we start to journey for the next 50 years, we realize that we cannot no longer have a status quo. We need to start to work together. And so recently, the, um, the Methodist Church changed its symbol, which originally was an outrigger canoe, to uh, something very symbolic tying in with the sailing of the, the massive canoes that came in, the double-hulled canoe, which is a bigger canoe, which signifies a more inclusive church, not just in terms of uh, ethnicity, but also in terms of cultural and social background, uh, of gender, you know, getting away from gender bias and things like that. And so I think that uh, as the nation moves forward, as the churches move forward, we seem to try to now be working together for a more inclusive society in the secular society and also within the the uh, religious community as well. And how does the future look for South Pacific Islands? And while well, we, I guess we're focusing on Fiji here, but uh, the next generation, James, is there a uptake of Christian faith in younger generations? Does the culture of those South Pacific Islands uh, really point towards a strong youth growing into faith and uh, ready to take the lead in church life? I think so. I would like to think so. Um, we're at a stage now, of course, where 
the churches have recognized that we've uh, lagged behind in our response to things like uh, cultural and economic globalization. We've lagged behind in terms of the influence of uh, mainstream media on our young people. But uh, we're paying attention. We're catching up. We're trying to find ways to engage our young people and also be aware of the issues that are facing them. And as long as we can pastorally care for them, as long as we can make them feel that there is a place for them in the church, that the church is relevant in their lives and in, in society as, as a whole, I think uh, it bodes well for the church in the future. And uh, the church will continue to play a significant role, not only in cultural and communal life, but in the, the, the general life of each country and in each society. Well, James, just great getting your insights because there's so many Aussies who just love Fiji as to whether it's just a, uh, a place where they just love to have a holiday. Uh, a lot of cruise ships stop in at Fiji. Uh, there's also a lot of Christians and churches that are supporting Fijian missions operations. And so uh, lots of interest and uh, thoroughly enjoyed your insights today. And, you know, you're not without struggles and not without challenges. Uh, but our prayer is that uh, God will just bless every uh, aspect of what you're doing in mission work there and appreciate your role there as Secretary for Communications and Overseas Mission of the Methodist Church in Fiji. Reverend James Bagwan, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Thank you very much for having me. And, you know, we continue to ask for your prayers and for your, you know, communities here in Australia to keep not only praying for us, but journeying with us as we take this journey into the next century and as we all continue to walk closer with Christ and bring our people to walk closer with God as well. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.